This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Knockout Podcast. Episode 62 now. Um, we're back after a couple of weeks break, but we have chosen to come back at quite the right time. Um, if ever there was a time to come back, a Conor McGregor pay-per-view uh, seems the fitting point, albeit it won't be the biggest thing happening in the country on the weekend, I imagine. Um, spoilers, <laughs> it is coming home. Let's believe, get on board now. Um, but this won't be any focus on the football. We will keep it solely on the MMA. Um, Jack, it is McGregor fight week. How are you How are you feeling going into this week? Um, yeah, as you said, like with, with the fact that it is coming home, um, it is... I suppose not all my attention has been on the fights to a degree. Like it's, it's more split attention than I normally would have for like a big kind of pay-per-view card. Um, but even given that, like now can ignore the football until Saturday, um, watch the fights then, and then watch the final on Sunday. So from here on out, essentially it is, it is focused on UFC 264, which, um, which is an okay card. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always. I mean, I, I get the UFC's thinking, and it's and it's always something we talk about with McGregor cards in terms of, you don't need, any other star power to carry a McGregor card. McGregor on his own could be fighting with, you know, the entirety of the women's flyweight division, and it would still get a million pay per view buys. Yeah. But, <laughs> it does. I mean, and and you know, there are some fighters on here who they will be trying to make a name of, probably Sean O'Malley most notably, but it does feel like a time where they could stick two other title fights on and stick another couple of number one contender fights on and really get the most out of the talent because it is also an opportunity for, for, you know, other people, even if they are big in their, in their respective divisions to, to be sort of exposed to a new casual audience that perhaps they haven't been, you know, something for example, like, like Gan Lewis, you know, it's a heavyweight number one contender fight. I mean, it's for the interim belt now, which is you know another thing in and of itself. But that feels like yeah, something oh, yeah. you could easily stick on as a co-main, and and would would bring so much tension to Cyril Gann if he won that perhaps the, the sort of casual McGregor audience don't don't really know, but could also come to appreciate. Yeah, um, it's just like it's very like it's like short term, I suppose, thinking from the UFC because like getting people to have like if people have a fantastic performance on a mcgregor card like in the like just anywhere on the pay-per-view essentially like the main card then they will like their star will rise fairly significantly so it's like a long-term investment thing but they just generally don't want to do it because they know that they can they know that they don't need to and that they'll just sell the pay-per-views straight away get the conor mcgregor money and that's it and to be fair, um, at this point, if McGregor loses, which we'll, I suppose we'll get into later, um, it's difficult to know where he goes from there. Is he still really a star? Um, so maybe they're also worried about that to some degree. That is true. I mean, we may as well start with that main event. We can dig into the the other um, you know, supporting acts to this card. But I mean, the main event feels like... I mean it is the main event without without wishing to be facetious but uh um mcgregor poirier the third fight um obviously uh poirier getting the second round knockout only 
uh, a couple of months ago, although I think it is longer ago than it feels. I think it um, was January. Yeah, it, it, it feels less, to, at least to me, it, it feels more recent than that. But yeah. um, he obviously avenging his, I think, 2014-2015 defeat. And here we meet for the trilogy. I mean, we've often talked about in these trilogies, I think perhaps probably the most recent one that comes to mind is the, the DC Stipe uh, one. And in terms of the fighter who wins the second fight often goes on to win the third fight. Is this slightly different because of the fact that, you know, in the DC Stipe fight, it was quite literally three fights in a row, albeit I think DC fought um, Blades or, or Lewis rather in that, in that time. But essentially they fought each other three times in the space of three years. Essentially, this is a rematch of the modern day Poirier versus the modern day yeah. McGregor because that fight was so long ago. Even with that, though, does it feel like to you, at least early thoughts, and, and, and we'll dig into this, um, that Poirier does gain that upper hand because of his performance in that in that second fight? Yeah, I think that what you mentioned there about like trilogies and the person that wins the second will generally go on to win the third i think that's like think about to often with trilogies you get a lot of them in the first fight it can be kind of like a quick knockout say like kane jds uh stipe cormier mcgregor poirier it's a quick knockout in the first but then you go into the second fight and the fighters have like they have now have a feel for each other they know like each other's kind of timing speed and like they can get a better read on the fight. So generally in that rematch, it will normally be kind of like the better fighter that will come out on top because it's like there's less room for kind of shocks. Um, and then that's why I would say kind of that the person that wins the second would often go on to win the third because then it's just, you know, like essentially the same thing in a, to a degree. Um, but no, it is interesting here. Um because there's been, from the second fight, the one that happened in January, there's been a lot of focus almost exclusively on the leg kicks. And that's from uh, the media, from fans, and most importantly, from McGregor himself. Um, like, that's almost one of the sole things he's talked about. And we know kind of from McGregor's past, like when he rematched Diaz and stuff like that, he does come in decently prepared and with new ideas for certain things. So I think he'll have something drilled for the leg kick. Like he'll have something in mind. Probably he's just going to want to like really focus on stepping in and countering it. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So, um, but I'm not sure if it will necessarily make the difference. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I think it is, it's obviously going to be an area of focus. And as you say, I think in the build-up and in a lot of analysis, um, it has been made a big deal. And I think rightly so, because it was a big factor. But, you know, it wasn't It wasn't like um, it was a leg TKO, for example. And, and although, yes, the, the leg kicks did um, significantly um, hinder his movement, I think what we did see was that there was, there was a great deal of... Um, Good striking on show that Dustin Poirier that on, on show from Poirier that that uh, that was also a massive factor in in him winning that fight. I think um, yeah, as you say, 
I'm sure McGregor will have addressed or, or, or will have at least um, planned to somehow negate those kicks, whether it, well, to, to, to try and negate them, whether that's, as you say, trying to counter, whether it's firing back some of his own, whether it's maybe the front kick, which we've seen in, in earlier fights. Um, there's obviously got to be a game plan there. And I'm sure Poirier in sort of counteracting will expect the response from McGregor, if that makes sense. So it's certainly something he's he's got to keep an eye on. But I think the problems we saw in that second fight from McGregor go deeper than just an inability to check or respond to a low kick, you know. Yeah. That there was there was stuff in his stance. He was so boxing heavy, but sort of he was he was leaning over so much. Um there was a lack of feints, which is um you know, he he doesn't faint he hasn't fainted loads, but that was certainly a part of his game. Um it did it did look like he he went in there with that first fight mentality of I'll clip him in this first round and he'll <laughs> drop. And you know, with the greatest will in the world, the 2014 featherweight Poirier is uh is certainly a different man to the uh to the guy that's you know seven and one in his last eight fights up at 155 pounds. Yeah. Um I think as you rightly said, there are a lot more kind of fundamental issues um against Poirier for McGregor. Um and like I think one of the key ones is the fact that Poirier himself is a Southpaw. So much, so much of McGregor's game is built around being a Southpaw and fighting orthodox fighters. Like you mentioned the uh kind of teeth or the like front snap kick there. Um that is much harder to land in a close stance matchup, like a Southpaw versus Southpaw. Um so like when you look at how effectively McGregor used that against Mendez, it it just isn't there for him because of like the way that kind of like the stance and the angles kind of match up. Um, so I think that he doesn't like that as much. And then the other big thing is that in close stance, well, in the open stance matchup, McGregor's favoured matchup, the rear hand, so McGregor's left, becomes like essentially the most important or one of, it becomes more dominant in that matchup compared to in a close stance matchup. Whereas in the close stance matchup, it's the lead hand that is the important one generally. Um, and Poirier's lead hand is like considerably better than McGregor's. Um, he jabs much better. He sets things up with it. The kind of check hook that he caught McGregor with repeatedly in the fight. Um, Poirier just uses that lead hand significantly better than McGregor does. And so in this close stance matchup, I think that's one of the more fundamental things that Connor's going to struggle with. Um, so like outside of the leg kicks as well. Um, we, and obviously being a close stance matchup, that opens up the leg kicks more as well. Um, so yeah, it's not as simple as just counter the kicks or just check the kicks. Um, if he starts really trying to, um, trying to kind of check the kicks or counter them, Poirier is going to faint them and then he's going to blast him upstairs. Um, and Poirier was even doing that in the first fight. He was playing the jab and the low kick off each other very well, which is something that, say, like Israel Adesanya does. So that's a key part of his game is like the jab, low kick kind of mix up. Um, so I think it's McGregor will obviously always has a chance. Like he's a very dangerous puncher. Um, although not looked quite as, not 
they used to call it the touch of death McGregor had. He hasn't really looked to have that as much at 155, which is interesting. Um, but he's still obviously very dangerous. But I think that outside of like the first seven minutes, um, it generally really favours Dustin Poirier. And I think that McGregor will struggle, struggle to build against Poirier, who is defensively fairly solid as well, at least with his guard. Yeah, and I think I think also it's in, it's important to note that you know both of us in in lead up to that second fight saw saw it being you know a fight that that we we both favoured McGregor quite heavily in that in that matchup, um, and you know for whatever reason I think I'm not sure any of us uh, foresaw an, an an inability or a sort of a, a, a lapsing game planning uh, in regards to the leg kicks and, and other stuff. But I think also um, it just that I think, I think it's, I think it's quite clear. And, and there's always that, that, that quote about, um, you know, training in, uh, in silk sheets or whatever that, you know, waking up in silk <laughs> sheets, uh, not, not training in them. That'd be quite weird. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, this idea that, you know, McGregor is still, you know, for example, essentially living on a yacht and doing his training camp out of Abu Dhabi. Um, Apparently, you know, last camp was supposed to be the best McGregor we've ever seen, and you know, that, <laughs> we get that, that every fight. <laughs> that, that was that was quite clearly not true, um, and 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 certainly uh, his face slumped on the canvas after about seven minutes was was evidenced uh, against that. But no, I'm sick of. I never want to hear anyone say that McGregor's in the best shape of his life ever again. I've, I've heard it like ten times it, too it, many. It is certainly the sort of um, pre-fight build-up bingo uh, when it comes to him and his team, but. <laughs> There is an extent to which I don't know how much he wants this. I mean, he certainly doesn't need it, which which begs the question why he's even doing the fights. But I guess there is there is still that fighter within him. But um, it, it will be interesting to see how he comes out. You know, last fight um, certainly in this will build up. He was sort of pretty jovial, pretty pretty friendly, and you know that's that's not and that's not necessarily to say that that's a bad thing, but. Um, you know, he was like that against Cerrone, but that was a Cerrone who who's passed it. It's just, I don't know whether <laughs> I don't know whether it's Different the same, mix. the same McGregor that we saw. You know, blast his way to beating Aldo and then knocking out Alvarez, and and that's and that's that's understandable. But it 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 just means that uh, it, it's just sort of becoming more evident as 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 we see him in in each fight uh, that that he he takes part in and you know compared to a to a hungry Poirier that still um you know sees this as a great opportunity to sort of cement his his sort of legacy and and basically get himself a title fight I I do I do struggle to see um if we well I do struggle to see a world where we get the best McGregor rock up that is fully game planned fully ready fully focused fully sort of motivated to win this fight yeah um it's also interesting like connor's like connor's team has like essentially collapsed at this point like you've got john Kavanaugh, but i don't think at this point he's that much used to him like conor mcgregor is such a big star that i think people in his camp he doesn't really have anyone to say like no to him and he doesn't really have anyone to guide him and even like back in the day i think connor was i think connor played a much more kind of a much more lead role in kind of like his game planning um, than like most fighters do. So a lot of the, um, 
a lot of the tactics and strategy generally came from McGregor himself. Um, and like with his like as like with his head essentially not fully being in it as we generally kind of think at this point. Like he's got so much else going on. I mean, I saw um, I saw it. Sorry to interrupt. I, I saw a picture of him uh, signing autographs on those posters, and and I know it's you know micro analysis to the to the nth degree, but yeah, I mean he was essentially just writing a C on each of the things <laughs> couldn't care less and each 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 signature just got sort of more and more distorted as went on and you know perhaps that's just reading into it too much and and to be fair probably a multimillionaire could probably think of far more things he'd want to do than sign autographs but yeah equally <laughs> I, I think i think it probably points to to someone who is who doesn't really want to go the full the full yards to to, to secure a victory yeah just generally judging his mindset say like in the last rematch he had which was uh Nate Diaz he seems far less kind of one track minded than he did like after he lost to Diaz it was like he was obsessed essentially with getting out back he just like just doesn't seem that way as much like for this rematch he's kind of doing it as like it feels like he's doing it as an obligation more than he really wants it um so yeah that's like uh kind of mental analysis of McGregor armchair psychology stuff that <laughs> that take it or leave it whatever well, but, it, it, um, it's, it's those it's those intangibles that we really yeah um don't know you know we talked about it with you know um Tony Ferguson in terms of you know what Tony Ferguson's going to rock up and you don't really know obviously we've we've sort of been shown pretty clearly where he's at but it is those um intangibles that we don't no, you know, if if a fully focused and driven McGregor comes in, can he beat Dustin Poirier? Absolutely. You know, what are the chances that, um, you know, that that McGregor turns up on Sunday morning? Probably, probably less likely than a fully focused and better Dustin Poirier rocks up, and and that's yeah. that's sort of where I'm I'm lying, and 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 I think that's probably slightly disrespectful just to say, oh, Poirier's only winning because McGregor's not trying or not focused. I think even a fully focused McGregor, uh, McGregor still has a very tough time against Poirier and, and perhaps I still agree. loses. Yeah. That's it, It's certainly no certainty in that regard, but it, it, it certainly makes it harder against a guy like Poirier, who is you know, one of, if not the best at 155, even if he hasn't got the belt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with most of that. I think that um, it is... Poirier has improved, like so much since their first fight going into the second like I, I think one of the reasons like ahead of the second fight like I thought I favoured McGregor but there, I knew there was a path for Poirier and I thought he could do it um, but one thing that also made me a bit more head hesitant was I thought he looked a bit kind of like he'd regressed in the Dan Hooker fight but he came out looking as good as ever against Connor. So, like, I don't think Poirier is kind of like on the downward hill or anything necessarily. Ju- not just yet. Um, so, no, I think it's uh, it's a tough fight. They're both fairly evenly matched. Um, so, yeah, I think that seven minutes it'll be a great fight. After that, it should slide in Poirier's favour. You would you would think so. Um those sort of stamina issues have been well documented over the years. Um, 
yeah, I think I think that's. I mean, I think we basically said everything needs to be said. Um, it'll still be a great fight, regardless. Um, but yeah. I mean, to be honest, for, for for his sake, I I do hope that Dustin Poirier wins. Um, oh yes, <laughs> it'd be great, great for him to go on and fight for the belt and and earn himself a a uh, a good cash check. And you know, we've seen for you know the likes of um, you know Nate Diaz what a <clears throat> what a sort of career defining win you know even even Diaz only won once against McGregor and he's now sort of permanently established himself as one of the highest earners. I yeah. think Poirier is one of the uh, one of one of the, one of the good guys in a sport that often is is is, is riddled with bizarre characters. Is um, he one of the good guys though? You've seen this damning training footage that's come out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> god how, how dare he train with headgear on before a fight? I mean, Jesus! Oh god! I mean, a, like, a woeful attempt at smearing from Covington. Awful, crikey, awful from Covington! It Just, was like. Yeah, ridiculous like literally from a a guy that that parades around with sort of bikini clad women at photo shoots and brendan sharp has literally said he's so awkward when the camera's not on and these girls are just sat there like what do you want me to do and he's just like awkward for a guy that like can't even be himself in front of a camera i'm not sure i'm gonna take anything from him yeah look like ridiculous but (laughs) it was funny anyway because just the overall reaction from essentially everyone was like what are you talking about, Colby? <laughs> like, just just fine, try a bit harder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if this, if, if that is the worst smear campaign that's going to come against Dustin Poirier, I think he'll be just all right. I think he'll be all right. <laughs> but yeah, we will. We'll move on from main event chat. Um, we may as well go to the co-main, which which is a a a, a fun matchup. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far to say number one contender, but but perhaps they're sort of. Um, I, second in line, maybe I if there's think, a good, maybe if there's a good performance, could be a number one contender. I think if Thompson wins, he's certainly next in line. I can't think of anyone that would be ahead of uh, Wonderboy if he wins this. Yeah, it's it's like, only whether I, I don't know whether the uh, the Covington fight has been scheduled. I mean, there's there's Edwards as well, yeah. but I, I would certainly put forward the uh, the Stephen Thompson uh, catch. We should say th- the co-main event is Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson. Yeah, we should. We didn't say that, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I suppose a Colby one, I don't think Colby's really in it at all. Leon Edwards, I think that you can make the argument he deserves it. I mean, why are we talking? We'll, talk, we'll get to this later. <laughs> Let's talk about the matchup first. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Thompson coming off a good win against Jeff Neal. You know, he sort of batted off a few uh, contenders sort of trying to, um, make a name off his back, and, and he now can sort of look upwards and look to, uh, well, look, look up, look up towards that title picture. Uh, he fights Gilbert Burns, who um, comes off his defeat to Kamara Usman. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I'm intrigued to get your early thoughts on this, but you know, Thompson's a tricky customer, and I, 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 um, I, I don't know how Gilbert Byrne is going to get himself into range. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, I think it's definitely a a tough one for Burns. Um, we've seen... We've seen Wonderboy re- fairly recently fight someone quite similar to Gilbert Burns in Vincente Luque. If anything, I'd say on the feet and certainly at pressuring... Luke is better than Burns. Can I can I can I just say I have written down on my notes Luke vibes <laughs> under Gilbert <laughs> yeah. Burns. Um I'd say that on the feet in many ways he's just a slightly worse Luke. Um so 
that doesn't necessarily bode particularly well just on the initial kind of reaction to that. Um, but I think there is more that Burns can do in the clinch than Luke could. Um, so Luke didn't have too much success pressuring Wonderboy, um, but there were times that he did get into the fence and that's, I think, where Burns is going to have to kind of base his strategy around, to be honest. Um, he needs to get in the clinch and he needs to kind of rough Wonderboy up there. It's not going to be easy, but if he's stuck with it like an at-range kickboxing fight with Wonderboy, he's going to get jabbed up and he's going to get like just a barrage of straight punches to his face. Um, and outside of that, I think that I think you can argue that uh, Burns is maybe a slightly better or at least harder leg kicker than Luke. So I think there's probably some um, something he can do with that. Um, certainly not many people have tried a leg kick heavy attack against Wonderboy, and I don't know why. Um, but if Burns can get that going, that could also be an avenue into the fight for him. Um, but outside of that, I think like obviously he's a considerably better grappler by but Wonderboy's fairly solid defensively in terms of his takedowns so I don't see Burns being able to get him down at least not consistently um, so I think it is a tough one for Burns it's yeah. Wonderboy's fight to lose is what I'm definitely saying yeah I mean you know since you know he had those sort of razor close decisions against Tyron Woodley a uh, a dubious at <laughs> best unanimous decision lost to Darren Till and uh, you know a one punch knockout to Pettis, which, you know, was a fight he was he was comfortably winning through through ten minutes. I think the three well, round eight... in that fight sorry, going back to the leg kicks, that Pettis did do um some interesting things with leg kicks in that fight, which um perhaps like not necessarily it was a fairly fluky knockout, but even so, Pettis, uh, Pettis was doing something where he'd like step in deep and like kick the back leg, uh, which was quite interesting. And um look worked decently and he won the fight so um but yeah i think that people should just like it thompson yeah i think i think that's certainly got to be an avenue and i think we did we did see that from burns against um thompson you know i was trying to say that the i mean the the three round element of it is interesting um we did see burns come you know fast out the gate against Usman. um i don't know whether three rounds favors thompson three rounds favors burns it's it's uh given given Uh, the Given I'd that say we... it probably favours Burns, honestly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it'll be interesting. Yeah, rounds. maybe maybe it'll be a case of you know pouring it all out for fifteen minutes and and and, and seeing if he can um, get a finish. Because I'm not sure I can see him out pointing Thompson unless unless he gets large periods of domination on the ground. But that that is going to be difficult to to get. Um, it is a a tricky one for him, and 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 I think Thompson is a you know maybe maybe it's his. Um, his, you know, his personality that perhaps hasn't got him the fight, um, but he is someone who I think has been largely overlooked in this sort of welterweight picture. Um, and, and this, I think, as as he will know, represents a cracking opportunity to really stake a claim for a shot. Because I think, as you know, as you say, there's Covington, there's Edwards. Um, you know, Edwards has got a win over. Um, has got a win over Nate Diaz. Um, Covington has got a win over Tyron Woodley, but I think a, a Luke Neal Burns run is, you know, the best that anyone's 
got at welterweight yeah. in terms of a contender standpoint. So be interesting to see what they'll do. I imagine they would probably go for the Covington one, probably because it sells a bit more. Um, you know, as as fair or <laughs> unfair as that is, but um, certainly he would place himself in the picture. And I think it's certainly a fight that that he will he will definitely think, as you say, that it is it is his to lose. Um, yeah. So it'll be very interesting. So yeah, picking Wonderboy. Um, but I think it should be a good fight. Like Wonderboy has on occasion been drawn into quite dull fights, but Burns is very aggressive, and someone that really comes at Wonderboy is how you get a good fight out of him. Um, so I yeah. think it sh- it should be a good Wonderboy, f- uh, a good Wonderboy fight. So that's hope so. Um... I mean, we're not going to spend too much time with these next few fights and it'll become pretty obvious why. Um, two of us are Greg Hardy. I've just got written, oof, please don't go past seven minutes. I think seven <laughs> minutes is about the cutoff point that I can deal with it's past generous. then. And, and and hopefully they get told, you know, chaps, there's a there's a, there's a a knockout of the night here for one of you. Yeah. And, and I can sort of see why why these two have been placed on a poor M. Greg card because it is hopefully just going to be like, a stand-up swing fest, but if it gets past seven minutes, I'm worried. Um, you know, we don't want sort of like a Kimbo Slice <laughs> versus Dada. But was it was it Dado? Dada? Dada two thousand. Yeah, 5, we don't want we don't want anything like that. Uh, um, no, um, heavyweights are always a risk in that regard. They should just start making heavyweight fights one round. Um, <laughs> you know what? I get behind that. Not a bad idea. Um, but no, I think this is actually kind of depressingly like closer than I'd like it to be like two of us are kind of vastly out experiences Hardy but I think that Hardy at least early on can trouble in trouble him so um, yeah we'll see um, I'm hoping two of us are knocked him out but short that, and sweet <laughs> is the name of the game with this yeah. fight hopefully um, Aldana Kunitskaya and Sean O'Malley Chris Moutinho close out the main card I mean the O'Malley one's a bit of a shame. We're supposed to be Louis Smolka, but it's now Chris Moutinho, who's I think nine and four. So that feels, uh, you know, you know, late, late replacement. A, what can you do? A bit of a layer. Kind of a, a warm body in there. Yeah, Sean O'Malley, yeah. Foshman, Ben Kicks get a good knockout. They wanted um, him on the card, no matter what. Yeah. Literally anyone. Aldana Kunitskaya, you know, f- feels like 15 minutes split decision city. Um, <laughs> but we will see. Um, looking elsewhere on the card um prelims and early prelims i mean uh, one, one thing i picked out is if you want to do uh you know the forever which i feel like we i feel i feel like we do very often the update on the women's flyweight division and uh, jennifer my jessica i who have been very recent contenders for the belt mm. are in on the early prelims also bizarre that liz carmouche fought for the title in 2019 which i re-remembered having looked up Oh yeah, I can't. The, that which when, when when I looked up Jessica Eyes last fight, um, bizarre. Um, so barring that, what 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 on the the prelims or early prelims is taking your fancy? Um, Amari Amek Akmedov. I had to read that closely. Brad Tavares. That's on the early prelims, but I think that should be that's a decent um, a decent middleweight fight. Um, so kind of have an eye on that. It's like. Not going to be fight than I. I'm not predicting that, but it should be decent, um, better than a lot of stuff. Um, but then the next obvious one, which I think should be either it'll, it'll be good either way. Um, but I'm hoping that Ryan Hall versus Ilya Taporia should be a really fun fight. And 
I'm thinking hopefully a bit of a showcase for Taporia because I think he looks fantastic. Interesting, interesting. Because I, I, you know, <laughs> Ryan Hall's obviously a weird one in terms of he's he's got this sort of bizarre BJJ style and essentially cannot get a fight for love nor money. I mean, his last three fights are Gray Maynard, BJ Penn, and Darren Elkins. It hasn't fought since 2019. That two of those, inspire. two of those have retired, um, and Elkins is sort of lost to Nate Landwehr, which essentially says it all. Um, yeah. He's obviously a, a, a tricky, unconventional customer, and whilst I certainly would agree that um, Taporia is a is a is a pretty nice, uh, interesting guy coming up. I mean, good win over Yusuf Salal. If I remember some good some good body body shots against Damon Jackson. I wonder whether. Uh, this this could be and and probably won't be a coming out party because it's sandwiched in the prelims and it is still Ryan Hall. I almost was leaning the other way in terms of could it be Ryan Hall finally getting that win that that maybe sort of gets his career going again. Yeah, I mean, either way, like it'll be a decent kind. It'll be a good win, the best win I'd say for either guy. Essentially, like no one else would have as good a win on their record. Um, but the reason I think I favour Taporia is that Hall's style works a lot based on the fact that people are very scared of him. And obviously, like, fairly rightfully so. He's a very good grappler. Um, but they give him so much range and are so terrified to engage in, like, anything approaching close range um, that he just lets... People just let him kind of throw slappy stupid kicks at, at them and like they can't really and they're too scared to kind of push past that and do anything because of the grappling threat but i think from what i've seen of taporia he's very aggressive he's a very competent grappler himself i think he's a black belt and he's still very young um so i think that if he is smart about it he should be able to disengage with enough frequency and stay on hall um and then also um Tapori is a very nice body here. Um, so Hall, I don't really, I think I've seen anyone really try and hit his body, but just my general impression is I don't think he'd like it. Um, <laughs> and he's also, he also ducks down a lot. And people, if you're, someone's throwing body punches at you and you're like diving, looking to dive on a leg, there's a decent chance that you jump onto like what was meant to be a body hook and you get lights out. Um so I think kind of from that perspective is why I'd favour Taporia in this fight. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure who will win, uh, to be honest. I hope, as you say, I think for either of them, I think Ilya Taporia has shown enough for me to, to think he's a he's an interesting customer. Um, and yeah, I think for whoever wins, um, it'll be a, a good, hopefully, springboard. But I think I might just favour Ryan Hall. I think um, be interesting. he did show in that Elkins won a... A, a, a perhaps a wider range of <clears throat> skills beyond just his grappling, but you know, then again, that was two years ago, so it, 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 it's difficult <laughs> to know what he's done in the meantime. Um, elsewhere on this card, I mean, there's, there's probably need two more fights of note that we haven't talked about. Although Drikas Duplessis is is quite fun, and he's someone to look out for. I mean, the one that immediately screamed out to me on the prelims is Nico Price, Mikel Pereira. Who <laughs> knows how that's going to go? But um, in Nico Price, you know, it's going to be just chaos and if you can lure some 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 carnage out of Mikel Pereira that could be a, a pretty fun matchup. Yeah that could be like all the kind of like crazy ridiculous fight like 
everything you ever wished for if that's your kind of fight. So <laughs> it should be it should be fun generally. Although M- Michelle Pereira's gone, he's become less memeable recently. He's trying to yeah. like take fighting seriously, and I don't like that for him. If there's anyone to drag you back down into the meme world, I feel like Nico yes, Price could be that, that man. Is, that is true. So so here's here's his hoping for 15 minutes of just bizarrity in that one. Um, I guess the only one we haven't talked about, I mean, I'm not sure I have a whole load to say about it, is, is Carlos Condit, Max Griffin, opening up, or so closing out the prelims. Uh, any, 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 any thoughts on this fight before we wrap up? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, it's surprising to me that Condit, I mean, he is pretty shot, but he's not more shot. He's still got a very good chin, which he always had. Um, but it's interesting that like people kind of fade and get worse in different ways. With Condit, it's kind of manifested itself as like everyone's just able to wrestle him now. Um, but yeah, Max Griffin is I kind of like him. Like he's a fairly reliable fighter in terms of like he will and he's very well rounded, which means that like his game is fairly adaptable to most opponents. So he will generally have a good fight with most people. So from that perspective, I think it will be um, it will be decent. Yeah, I think I'm hoping for a uh, for a good win for Max Griffin. I think he is someone who I've I've thought has been quite fun. Um, his knockout against Son Canan a couple of I think it was only a couple of months ago. Actually, God, March. Jeez, everything's going so fast. Um, <laughs> that was that was a good win. Um, I mean, I think that basically. That says it all that. for this card. I mean, obviously the attention will be mainly at the top, but there's, there's as, as we pointed out, some some interesting fights to to keep an eye out for. Um, I mean, unless you've got anything else to say, any any final thoughts? Uh, um, not really. Not on two six four. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Lovely for stuff. That. Well, we'll hopefully be back in the midweek to discuss it all. Um discuss all the fallout from UFC 264 and to look forward, well, I say look forward to preview um, Makashev, Moises and the card that's on there. Not particularly stacked, although I have seen Jeremy Stevens, Mateus Gamrot, which could be quite interesting. Oh, that's actually really good, actually. I didn't um, and of course, the return of Misha Tate after all these years, uh, which is, you know, for better or for worse, a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back to discuss all of that uh, all the fallout from 264 and to look forward to those fights next week. See ya. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.